0: Welcome to Jammin' and Jammies. My name is Megan Barker, and if you don't know what Jammin' and Jammies is, it is a live show that happens here in Nashville, and we feature hit songwriters, rising artists in their pajamas. It's super fun. Um, Obviously, right now, we're doing everything via live stream every Sunday night on our Instagram, so make sure that you tune into that. But while we're all sitting at home in our pajamas anyway, we thought it would be super fun to do some more kind of in-depth interviews with some of our favorite songwriters and people that we look up to. So today, we are lucky enough to have Mr. Forrest Whitehead joining us. And he's a noted songwriter and producer. You have probably heard his number one hits, Love Me Like You Mean It and Peter Pan by Kelsey Ballerini. You've probably heard them. Um, And he's got numerous other cuts as well. And we're just going to dive in and pick his brain about everything. How you doing, Forrest? Thanks for being here.
1: Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Do you want to just kind of talk about who you are and who your influences are and just tell us about Forrest as a person?
1: Okay. Um, well, I come from a little town, Blanchard, Louisiana. I grew up there. I uh, didn't, I guess, explore many places other than Blanchard uh, growing up, And but I, I always played music and was influenced by, you know, whether it be playing at church or in bands. I had a band with a couple of friends of mine that we just played around town or you know in Arkansas East Texas those things never really traveled too far um, but it was enough to kind of I guess just put that wonder of like how could is there something more to to this whole music thing and I guess at 18 I decided that well I say I decided it's just that that feeling of like I just remember being in my parents' house one day and just this feeling dropped in my, my spirit or whatever. It's like, you're going to go to Nashville, you know? And it was, wasn't, it wasn't like a decision I made or anything. It was just more of like a overwhelming thing of like, all right, this is the next step to like take it farther. And so that was probably 2009. Um, and I moved up here in October, October 21st, 2009 was, was the day that I, I rolled into town. Uh, and it was just a, a lot of learning, experience from 2009 to 2011 signing my first deal and there's 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 quite a quite a bit of um trial and error in that time and then even after that i mean uh, there you can't be in nashville and and do this music thing without just absorbing so much and falling on your face and getting back up and falling more on your face and you know it's just uh, you know I, i have a heart for for songwriters and also for this town and the people in this town when i got here i studied I studied songwriters. I found out like everything I could, and and uh, looked up all the credits, and and was just a student of Nashville, and uh, I feel like that's that's what um you know you kind of have to do to to really learn who's who's writing in which circles and and what songs they've written and and what they're bringing to the table as far as like um you know okay these 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 people write together and this group writes, produces these style of records. And you don't know all that till you get here and kind of get in the community and study the craft. So um, that's been kind of what I've been doing the last 10 years is just trying to study it and get better.
0: That's awesome. That's amazing. I love the, I love that you've been here a decade. I think that's I don't know. It's very important for young songwriters to know is that, you know, success does take time. I'm really interested to know how your first publishing deal came to be. If you don't mind sharing, I mean, um, you hear stories sometimes about how it happened really quickly for people. And then you hear stories about people that maybe kind of dated their publisher for a long time. So what was that process like getting your first deal?
1: Yeah. So first of all, I don't mind sharing the, the thing about this whole Music City Playbook idea and uh, what I feel like the that I'm supposed to do is be real online and be real about my experience, be real about my relationships as far as what my relationships been with publishing companies and, and how I'm uh, dealing with that moving forward. And, and it's been positive. I've had a great, um, you know, I've had a great career. But throughout that, I've learned key things that, you know, I, I wish that I could have just sat down and had a conversation with myself in 2009 and be like, all right, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff that's going to happen, but just watch out for these few things. Um, and I feel like it would have helped my spirit and then helped my, uh, just my creativity. Cause uh, you know, w- we have to know that, you know, what goes up must come down. So you have, uh, have these hits and you have the emotions that come with that. And uh, but you know, it's just like anything else you want more and more and more and so you can't you can't put your happiness into like is my song on the radio or is this person working with me or, or whatever so it's been a learning process for me to adjust to that whole thought of just being happy with creating and just giving away your gift and that's really what music city playbook is is i'm giving away my gift of, of, of learning how to produce and what i know about songwriting and what i've learned about the industry and And I I just really feel an overwhelming feeling to give it away because, like I said, if there was any kind of information out there when I was in town, I I know I would have been all over it. And everything was just so dated, whether it had been in a book or online or whatever. There really wasn't a whole lot of information out there that that kind of prepared you to face Nashville and everything that goes along with that, you know?
0: Absolutely. I feel like there's a lot of, you know – Dare we say sharks out there that say they're gonna teach you the ways of Nashville if you pay X amount of dollars? And there's a lot of things that you have to beware and maybe learn the hard way when you first get to Nashville. So I love that you want to offer your real experiences, real advice. Um, going off of what you just said, is there one particular thing you wish you'd known when you first got here?
1: Yeah, and that is don't um, don't just look at people who have a deal or who are tied into certain circles. And I think I made a video on that, but even just in the last week, I met so many people that have been influential and helpful with this whole Music City playbook and uh, super talented musicians. You being one of them, you know, I'll tune into your live stream and everything and, and you're a hell of a player, singer and everything else. And this is somebody I mean, this is I didn't meet you through a publishing company and I, I don't feel like uh, in the future going forward that it should always be, um, you know, hidden behind the walls of a publishing company to get rights or to get pitches or. You know, and and, and that's, and I'm learning that too. I've been uploading these logic demos and and there's other people in town or other people from other publishing companies liking these demos or hearing this. And I'm thinking, wow, this is a whole different way of pitching. You know, everybody's locked down at their house, quarantined on their phone. And they're hearing the demos that I'm working on through these tutorials, you know, and that's just a different new way of even i mean, I had an artist text me, an artist on Warner text me, and I said, Hey man, has anybody cut that song which they had, had one of the demos that I'd uploaded, but still that's where it clicked. I'm like, geez, this is immediately getting these things out there. So there's a lot of things that are, are changing with our business and our industry. And I feel like you just it's important to look forward uh and try to think, you know, what's the next step as far as how do you market yourself as a songwriter? So With Music City Playbook, I'm trying to encourage everybody to build an online follow and build their crew before they start trying to get tied up with with a pub deal because that can be a messy thing. But then at the same time, if you don't know anybody and you come to town, you're super green and you need that guidance, you need that crew of people, then a pub deal and signing away 100% may be the thing for you because, I mean, that kind of was my story. Um, So, I mean, it, it just all depends on what your expectations are how, how far you are in life and your writing. And there's just all these different things that dictate your experience here in Nashville. No, each experience is the same, you know,
0: absolutely. Everyone's experience seems to be different, which I think is, is kind of hard on the people that first get here because there is no set path. It's not like you want to be a lawyer. You go to law school, you know, there are certain steps that you take and certain things you do, but it can be a little confusing. So music city playbook is going to be an excellent tool for, artists writers producers to have in their back pocket um i heard in one of your videos i watched all the videos um and i wish that they had existed a few years ago when i got to town because they are just super informative already and you're just barely getting started that's what's really cool about is i can't wait to see what you're going to come up with next no pressure Um, But I heard in one of your videos you talked about how maybe you don't necessarily need a publishing deal to be successful in this town and um, I was just wondering if you would explain then what the process is for getting a song cut. So maybe you don't have a deal yet. Um, I know you should probably be befriending artists. What are some other things that, that writers can do that they don't have a deal?
1: Well, I mean, it's exactly what you said. I mean, you said befriending artists. Well, what, what are the degrees of separation to get to that artist that you feel like you could really drive with? And it, it really does start that way. I met so many people when I traveled out on the road, when I wasn't trying to market myself as a producer songwriter. And I was just involved in the scene. So really, you don't have to have a pub deal to make connections, man. You can, you can if you're a guitar player, then get out on the road, man. And and, and hang with the musicians, hang with the artists, because there's going to be people backstage. If you're out, I mean, I met so many people um, that I feel like whenever you get Nashville, outside of Nashville, meaning like the people that are in Nashville, if you get them in Key West or if you see them in L.A., there's this thing, there's this Nashville thing of like, I recognize you, let me come talk to you. And I've seen it happen time and time again, where people that may be really cool and too cool to talk to me here in Nashville, I'll see them at an event in L.A., and they'll see me across the room and walk over and talk to me just because it's that comfort thing of, Hey man, what you doing? Well, you know, whatever that is. And uh, I think there's something to that, which, uh, you know, you just have to make sure that no matter what you're doing, that you have your antennas up for an opportunity and that you're not, you know, um, out there on the road, not, not, I guess you're there to work. Yes. You're there to play a show, but at the same time, you're there to see what the next step is. And I was on the road for about two and a half, three years before my production and things kind of, Started to take over on that, um, but I learned so much, met so many people, wrote had had so many writing relationships that developed from being out on the road. That that would be what I would say is whatever. Uh, at the time, I didn't know what I wanted to do, so I was playing live and I was writing songs and just kind of had my hand in everything. Um, and I'll, I'll I'll say I'll I'll double answer that question because be flexible. And I'm going to do a video on this, but I I moved to town thinking. My my single naive thought was well maybe I can go play guitar for Taylor Swift, like that really was a real thought. I was like a weird dude because like my 18th birthday, uh, my girlfriend my wife now uh, she got me a Taylor Swift CD and it was the sophomore album, um, you know, and it had Love Story and all these other things on there. And I was just blown away by the production, the writing. She was young, she was I mean she was close to my age, and it was like inspiring to me. And so there's a lot of cool stories that I could totally take too much of your time to tell you but it's one of those things where when Taylor kind of uh, took a notice in Kelsey that came full circle for me because Taylor's album or really her second album influenced me heavily and really Nathan Chapman's production on that album influenced me heavily um, and so I was like man I got to get to where this is happening um, so when I moved to town I played in a blues band uh, you know downtown I mean totally irrelevant to what I'm doing now but I, I played I played for a fill-in gig. One of my first fill-in gigs was with Walker Hayes, and this was before he had another record deal, before he was doing his thing and uh, that he's doing now. But um, I say that to say you never know who you're going to meet and where those relationships are going to cross back. I mean, this is, I met Walker Hayes before I had a pub deal. I, I randomly got uh, – my first gig was flying out to go fill in for his lead guitarist that couldn't make it or whatever, and I literally met him like walking out on stage. It was just the weirdest thing. I was like, "Oh, this is this is kind of cool though, because he expects me to be prepared. He expects me to be on my shit. He's never met me. We're doing a live show, and then that um, was like, this is the Nashville thing. So um, it, it was a cool experience, just kind of growing and developing, trying to you know figure out where my place was in Nashville." Uh, but that would be my advice. It's like if you don't have a pub deal and you just have to decide who you feel like. I mean, if you really feel like that a certain artist would really get your vibe, then you need to literally work backwards from who's surrounding that artist, whether it be management, their friends, the uh, I mean, there's gonna be somebody. And if you're out and about and you can make a connection on Instagram or wherever whatever it may be, there are ways to get to people because if you're talented, it don't matter what brand you have associated with you. Talent speaks for itself, man.
0: Absolutely. I can't tell you, and this is about you, not me, but I, I just, I could say, I can't tell you how many times I made myself go to an event that maybe I was like, eh, I don't know if I'm going to meet anybody there. I don't know if it's worth my time. And I met somebody and it turned into, you know, multiple opportunities or something. So you just don't know who you're going to meet. So the answer is always just go to the event, just pop your head in, just see what's going on.
1: Yeah, man. That's so true. And I hate go. I hate being social. I, I really do. I don't even like really like some of the events that everybody gets all excited about in November and gets all dressed up to go to. Yeah. My social anxiety is just, that's not me. I almost would rather be in the studio most of the time. And I'm, I'm trying to get uncomfortable about that. I know I'm going to have to do a lot more social things with, you know, uh, with pushing this music city playbook. So this whole thing is making me uncomfortable. I've I've never, never cared about like learning social media or hashtags or how to upload video in the right video format and all, all these things that I'm, I'm having to deal with now it's making me a better creative because I'm using my brain and I'm editing video and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of material and I'm thinking of how to deliver it and I never I've only watched cooking videos on YouTube so that's that's what I'm gaining my knowledge from as far as how to edit and how to do certain quick things of, of, of just watching other people and YouTube's just such a, a I don't know. It's like a, a, you can learn anything that you want to on YouTube. And that's kind of what I've been doing is just trying to make this content the best I can be, give it a certain personality that may be uncomfortable for me to do. But at the same time, I'm trying to find, I'm trying to find out what's too far, what's too less. and what's, how do you deliver this information? Get your point across, but not be boring, you know?
0: Absolutely. I think you've got the personality for it. Look how chatty you are. You're very open. You're very pleasant to watch. So I think you're going to be fine. We'll figure it all out. Um, I would love to know, well, actually a two part, I guess I would love to know how you got in with Kelsey Ballerini. Obviously you were working together, you know, before things blew up. Um, so how that all came to be. And then can you tell us a little about your publishing, um, situation now and just where, what you're working on now, I guess.
1: Yeah, okay. Well I'll say this goes back to um I said in my last video um that I uploaded either this morning or yesterday that I, I do not regret signing a hundred percent pub deal because of the relationships that I made. And that that all these things happened at Black River Um Publishing and I, I signed there two thousand eleven. I think it was September two thousand eleven. Um and I met Kelsey two thousand thirteen it might've been. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was 13. It was early in 13. I I feel like because she was just coming in there singing vocals or just using the studio for something. And what caught my attention is, you know, she wasn't necessarily there to write a song or, um, to take a meeting. I think she was just for whatever reason, working with one of our engineers in the studio. And she was like, Hey, come listen to the song. I just met her. She goes, I just wrote this song by myself. I got to play it for you. And, um, she played me the song in like one of the front rooms there at the top of Black River. I'll never forget it um, because the song was great, and she was so like passionate about it. And you know what I'm saying? Like, like when you first meet somebody and you can feel their um, passion and, and, and their emotion about the certain things, whenever, especially whenever you're young, excited writer, and you just get to town. And like, I remembered that, and I was. I was motivated by that. I was like, I want to work with this girl. She's, she works hard and, and she did, man. She wrote all the time. So uh, long, not long after she was singing some demos in the studio, she got offered a publishing deal there. So we worked together um, from 2013. I mean, pretty, I would say weekly, pretty heavily, um, if not at least two or three times a month. Um, and we didn't know at the time that we were making her album. We were just writing songs, having fun, but she was the first person that I got in the room with and you know she didn't we weren't trying to chase anything we were just having fun I was doing some weird loops and some weird things on the track that you know I I felt was weird at the time um because she was letting me do it it didn't have to be just an acoustic lick or some kind of country feeling song it it could be a hip-hop vibe it could be a, a loop that um I don't know, just kind of push the boundaries in 2015. You know, I know there's a lot of that going on now, but at that time it felt super fresh. And um, that's kind of how that happened and and how um, I wound up working with her. And I have to say, and this will be uh, in an interview coming out, but we talked about whenever she got her record deal, she literally went to the people in charge of, of putting this whole thing together And once they were going to put her with another producer, um, maybe Dan Huff may have been Jay Joyce, somebody like that, you know? Uh, and she basically was like, well, I want forced to do it. Well, I mean we've been writing these demos. We've been doing all this. I mean, why can't we, why can't we just keep this thing going? And of course I was blown away. Um, and cause I literally, that's all they were. We were just writing together and these were demos and you know, I was, I was spending a lot of time on them, but I wasn't spending on the time on on them thinking it was going to be a record. I was just like inspired right. to spend time on them. I was like, this shit's cool. I want to do this. I want to, I want to write more of this. Um, so that's just kind of how it started. And uh, whenever the label kind of, we started taking meetings and choosing songs, we were like, man, we, we got a record. We got a first record together, you know? um so that's that's kind of how it developed i hope i answered your question
0: yeah absolutely um yeah and and i'd love to just hear i guess how your deal with them compares to your your deal now because you're at a different publisher now right
1: yeah that's a good question um well i spent a long time at black river so when i first signed there i was walking i was looking for my guitar I, i um I walked in with a guitar and a notepad and that was my writing style. And from 2011, 12, 13, there's three years there that before Kelsey was at black river and I got a few cuts in those few years. And most of those cuts that I got were just a guitar and a notepad and, and ideas. Um, and I started working with an artist. Uh, it was a baby artist on Curb at the time and his name was Dylan Scott. And I started doing some of his early stuff with him and I started making these little demos and, I couldn't afford these $800 session demos that were happening at the time in town and I just leaned most of my time into making these demos the best that I could. And that's where I learned to produce was just through trying to dress up these demos. So I remember one time, I'm not going to tell you the title of the song because it's a dumb song, but it was cut. Mm-hmm. I wrote it on a Wednesday and it got cut on a Friday all because I, I feel like I invested the time to make a demo sound really great and it was just the right timing. And I was like, "Oh, there's something to this because I feel like I've been spending my wheels writing, 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 writing. But I wasn't really focusing on the production and a thing. So when I saw that start kind of helping me, I was like, well, I'm going to double down in that. Um, and that's kind of how it was. So I, did, I cut my teeth on a lot of other records before Kelsey's came along. So there was a, a little bit of, um, uh, I would say a lot of bit of, of trial and error that was already done on the production in the side uh, before we started writing together. Um, and then, I mean, uh, it's no, you know, secret that, I mean, I co-produced that all that Kelsey stuff with Jason Massey. And I, I another thing is just involving people that can elevate the whole thing. And I, I'm not above involving people that we're going to bring something better to the project. So I think that's important too, it's just to have an open mind and, and to have, uh, you know, don't be thinking that you can do it all, you know?
0: absolutely absolutely so can you take us inside your daily life as a songwriter um at a publisher what does your daily life look like and i know that you do a lot of like producing and and building tracks and all of that too so take us in the room if you would
1: yeah so i mean i'm sure it's not any more different than uh independent songwriter or one of you guys out there uh between i have things booked on my calendar. Most of the time it's three to four or five rights a week uh, on sometimes. And
0: somebody else book your rights. Sorry to interrupt.
1: No, don't. I mean, it's no big deal. Um, i book my rights. Uh, my, my current publisher books, my rights, but I mean, it's, it's, it always changes because, uh, there's seasons. Obviously we're not writing as much now with everything going on. Um, and it's a good time for me, uh, to, to regroup and, and work on sessions. And I like to kind of, take time to explore different sounds and uh, different libraries of sample libraries. And just, this is a good time to really explore as a producer and kind of build out your toolbox. That way, whenever you get back to the regular rights, you have all these sounds that you've explored. Cause I feel like when you get busy and kind of in the Nashville system of writing every week, you don't have time to go explore. You can't like learn anything cause you're too busy grinding it out. So I'm just trying to be balanced with that end of things, you know?
0: Absolutely. Um, I think this is a really great time for everybody right now. I mean, it's definitely stressful. Um, Not trying to diminish that, but it is nice to have a little deep breath um, and see what happens creatively. Um, In one of your videos, you talked about mechanicals. Can you explain to our followers what mechanicals are um, and why you said that maybe they're irrelevant? And do you think record sales, physical record sales are going to come back? Where do you see all of that?
1: Well, I think it's too early to tell. There's there's, there's not enough history yet of what's going to happen with that, meaning, like, all the streaming and stuff is too new. We haven't figured out how to monetize it yet. And I'm not going to act like i got to figure it out because uh, I don't. But what I do know is that we're not selling mechanicals anymore. I mean, um, if if you're an artist that is like a Garth Brooks and you have fans that have bought your albums for years and years. Yeah. You're going to sell some mechanicals when they release the the Walmart box set again for the seventh or 10th year in a row, then yeah, you're going to sell some mechanicals. But if you're an artist like Kelsey or whatever, I mean, your fans are not going to Walmart. They're, they're consuming your stuff online. You know, they're, they're, they're consuming your stuff on Spotify and the new way. So I don't know if it'll be, it'll, if it'll take on the name mechanicals because mechanical means like a physical copy. To me, that's what I think. Um, and so I don't think that we're going to go back to purchasing physical records anytime soon. But I do feel like the digital content will be better. So meaning whenever, and I think some people do this, but I think Spotify's getting better. But I wish that like on Spotify or Apple Music, when you purchase the album or not even purchase, when you stream an album, uh, which everybody should join a, a streaming service. I feel like that would help out a lot. I mean, I'm not one of those songwriters and I probably should be. That's like all pissed off at Spotify because I'm not as educated of what that deal is because I know Spotify is not going away and I'm not going to it. I mean, I know there's things that could be different about it, but I'm going to believe that these things are going to work itself out um, for the better of everybody. And once that all works out, I do believe music will be bigger than ever because there's, If you can pick up your phone and however old you are to, you know, learn to work a phone and and look up your favorite artists and get on a Facebook live, man, that's powerful right there, you know? So you no longer have to have necessarily a label, um, you know, develop you and and put music videos out to get your exposure out there. And I love that.
0: Absolutely. It's easier than ever to get your name and your brand out there. Absolutely. Um, Do you want to play something for us?
1: yeah sure um is there any specific song you'd like me to play
0: i want you to play whatever you want to share with us old new whatever you're working on
1: okay well i'm just going to do some old songs because that's what i'll remember okay
0: (laughs) and then after after you play something for us we've got a little game if you want to play the game Mm
1: um let's see never mind I, hmm i might uh i can't decide what i want to do all right i'm gonna do i've been doing these logic tutorials and um yeah those i say tutorial cool. I, i'm just basically opening my session and kind of showing um people my plug the way the plugs i'm using the sounds i'm using and I just remember when I moved here not knowing anything about these or how to use them. So I want to go into more detail on some of them soon, but um, uh, I was—I pulled up this old STEM session and um, I'm sure I'll have a teaser out by the time you get this release, but I interviewed Kelsey for Music Study Playbook Monday. Um, and. and so, for that, I'm going to do a video of our first breakthrough song, Love Me Like You Mean It. So, I'm going to t- kind of do a test version on you right now of what that might be. Instead of doing, um, instead of doing like, I've been pulling up the sessions and just playing the session, be like, okay, here's the parts that I did and all that. And I don't, I don't think I want to do that with this one. I'd rather change the chords and like kind of do a remix, you know? Yeah, I love it. Um, let me know if, if the sound is too much or whatever. I don't want it to blast your speakers or distort or anything, but I want to see if I can make this make sense for a second. Hold on. Say hold on. This thing's in the wrong key. How do I get it to back? I love this.
0: It's like we're really in the studio with you.
1: Well... I'm going to be embarrassed because I don't know how to do this, let me show you if uh, i got to find it real quick, Boy all right, all right, all right, all right, we
2: got it. <laughs>
1: I'm going to do a video just like that. I was really inspired by playing that down like that. I, I was thinking maybe I'll just track it up and then put the video up, but that was really fun. So.
0: Yeah, that was super cool. That was such a treat. It's really cool to hear a song that we all know so well in a different light. Um, yeah. And honestly, too, I, I do live music for a living, and I can't tell you how many times someone has requested that song, just so you know.
2: <laughs> That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, that was such a treat. Thank you for sharing with us. Um, This has been so great. I just, I, I just love what you're doing. I know I've said that like 10 times. Um, I really want everyone to go check out music city playbook um, and, and follow what you're doing. It's so important. It's so valuable. And I was wondering if you want to play a little game called quarantine questions before we let you go. Sure. Sure. Okay. Um, Who's your favorite artist you've ever worked with? Can you, can you pick one?
1: My favorite artist I've ever worked with.
0: Mm. I know we're putting you on the spot.
1: Well, no, th- the reason I, I – I think songwriters are artists, if that makes any sense. So yeah. I, I, you, for the question you probably want is, like, the artists you hear on the radio. Um, But I've learned more from songwriters that I've worked with. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean – I can't pick a favorite, but there's several veteran writers uh, that I learned so much from. So I'm going to I'm just going to give a safe question. I know I hate that, but my favorite my favorite days um, of the people of the artists who are songwriters that I work with are the older people that um, have been in town a while that are still relevant, that are just seasoned. I mean, you can't walk out of a a room staying in there three hours with that kind of brain and and not come out with some kind of edge of, of, of figuring out that's why they're who they are because that's why they write like that. So those are my favorite days. So those are my my favorite rights to be in.
0: 100%. I love your answer. Um, Okay, lighten things up a little. Pancakes or French toast? Pancakes. I love it. Okay, breakfast for breakfast or breakfast for dinner?
1: Oh, man. (laughs) See, my wife hates that I don't eat breakfast. Um, I would rather just, like, cruise on through the day eat like a a big lunch in the afternoon so i'm gonna say i um i'm not a breakfast food person i don't know what it is i would just rather like have steak and potatoes i don't know
0: it's okay i'm here for steak and eggs so i'll allow it uh what's your favorite quarantine snack right now
1: hmm favorite quarantine snack man we've been um (laughs) this is not really a snack but i mean uh, i've been eating like these uh been grilling a lot because you're at home, man, just these steak salads, I just love that. I don't know that sounds so healthy that's not me, but I mean they're they're good, you know we're just uh been getting really familiar with the green egg during this quarantine, so we're just cooking a lot of steak and it's easy you throw them on top of a, a salad and it's making you know that's what holds me over so that that that's my quarantine that's what I've been living off of so that that would be my answer for that
0: I love it, okay and Last one. Uh, what is one song you think everyone should go listen to right now? Maybe an old song, maybe a brand new song.
1: Hmm. That's a good question. Let me look at my Spotify right now. <laughs> oh, that's, well, um, this, I think. All right. I'm just going to say this. I think my, I'm just going to tell you if you're, if you're in like a hip hop vibe, you got to Y'all got to go check out Jack Harlow. That, that, that stuff is just awesome to me. He's a Kentucky white boy that knows what's going on, though. But if y'all want something like in the country genre or whatever, I like I said, I just got done with the Kelsey interview, so I, I did a deep dive on her album, and there's just so many great songs on there, you know, whether, whether it be Club or The Other Girl, Love Me Like a Girl, um, A Country Song, L.A. These are some of my favorites on her new album. Uh, so, I don't know. Y'all need to go check that out and, you know, See what's up.
0: Awesome. Okay. Well, I am so excited to see what you do with music city playbook. Everybody go check it out. Is it just on Instagram right now?
1: I have YouTube. Um, I'm going to, I'm having some, I guess some branding come in. I actually have a meeting tomorrow to talk about what all that looks like. Uh, I'm kind of just getting as much out there and I've, I've tried it on Facebook, YouTube and Instagram, but Instagram has been the big reaction. So that's the one I, I, I guess doubled down and, and started really doing the content there just cause those are the, I feel like the, that's the younger generation of, of who's interested in this information. Yeah. I, a lot of people on my Facebook are friends from back home and they're supportive of it, but it's not really hitting the target market. So I just can't wait. I mean, we're only a weekend. I can't wait for it to hit the ears and I know it is already, but really get out there to the people that need to hear it. Um, cause I know there's a much bigger audience than the 3000 followers we have right now.
0: Totally. Well, I'm so excited that we got in at the very beginning. We're only a weekend. That's so crazy. So I think we should check back in with each other in a few months and see what happens. I'm really excited to see where this leads you.
1: Yeah, that'd be (laughs) awesome.
0: Thanks for doing this. And I guess we'll see you again soon. Stay safe and stay cozy, I guess.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me on here. I want to also... So I'll see you live again. I'll tune in and make more requests because you were awesome. You really were.
0: Thank you so much. Thanks,
1: man. Yeah, it was a vibe. It
0: was a vibe.